leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity. Today, we have Thomas Marr, who will be sharing his experience in breaking into cybersecurity. But before we get there, we want to thank everyone for viewing and for sharing this with others after the fact, because that's the whole point of this, is to share and influence the next generation of cybersecurity professionals. Thomas, tell us about your background and your time before cybersecurity. Absolutely. Thank you, Christopher. So before I joined cybersecurity, I was a signals intelligence analyst in the United States Army. I served for four years. Uh, prior to that, I was a senior customer advocate at United Health Group. I was able to join cybersecurity using some training availability. Uh, training available to me. Excuse me. Tra using some training available to me uh, while I was in the military. And if you're a veteran, there's a lot of options out there for transitioning. And thankfully, I was able to take advantage of such. Let's talk about that. Your time in the military as signals intelligence. Was that actual ones and zeros or was that signals as in frequency? Yeah. In signals, anything that, is, that sends a signal, cell phones, anything that has wireless communications, that's essentially, I need to know about it. I need to be able to produce actionable intelligence on it. It's, it definitely was a good transitioning point into getting into cybersecurity. Between that and between the responsibilities an intelligence analyst has, just holding that security clearance gives you a really good infosec mindset. Let's talk about that. As an analyst, how do you take such vast quantities of information and condense it for your target audience? It boils down to understanding your mission mostly. And once you understand your mission, that's when you can decipher, okay, what's relevant to it. And then at that point, you just take whatever relevant information there is. It, it can be tedious sometimes. Sometimes there's a lot of data to sift through, but at the end of the day, you're there to do a job and hopefully you do your best. It seems, it seems like that alone is a perfect example of what a role in cybersecurity would do. Um, if you're a threat intel analyst or even a SOC analyst going through the logs and trying to figure out what's the relevant logs that you need to surface in for an incident. I would say it's very relevant. It's a very similar mindset. So that's one way I think. And for many intelligence field in the military, when you already got that mindset of, I got to figure out actionable intelligence and what's relevant and use it in the context of what's my organization's mission. Let's talk about your transition time. You mentioned there's lots of resources. So when did you start your transition? I started my transition about two years prior to leaving the military. I did that in doing so, I guess I started my bachelor's degree. I'd finished up my associates. I decided to pursue a few certifications and I didn't just pause, figure out what I'm going to say here. 
I pursued certifications that were relevant to the roles that I were I was pursuing. I decided what I was pursuing uh, before I transitioned into cybersecurity. A lot of people like to just shoot for random certifications, whatever they can get. And that was the advice given to me while I was in the army, get all the training you can get. And yeah, I did get some certifications that I had the opportunity to get that were necessarily related to my field, but those weren't my main focus. Those were more of a, if I can, I'll do it. But for me, knowing that I wanted to be uh, cybersecurity, do cybersecurity in the DOD, I referenced DOD 8570. That's the big one. That's why I decided to get my CISSP and my CompTIA certs. How did you decide what you wanted to do um, to start a transition? Absolutely. So I looked at the skill sets required of all the different roles that were available. And I also looked at how some of those roles were relevant to me. Like you brought up earlier as a SOC analyst or a threat intelligence analyst, sifting through data, finding actionable intelligence. And that resonated well with me. And that's when I decided I wanted to initially shoot for a SOC role. And I ended up not only getting a SOC role, I actually got a role building socks with a leading cybersecurity vendor called Logarithm. Well, we'll skip ahead to that in a little bit, but I want to talk about your transition because I think whether you're transitioning out of the military to cybersecurity or from any other field, this is a, an important phase for anyone breaking into cybersecurity. From the military, you mentioned that there's lots of training available as well as other options. What are some of those for the military veterans or military members that might be watching this show? Sure. So the first one that comes to mind is a program called Onward to Opportunity. It's through Syracuse University. Essentially, they give you free training and a free corresponding certification for that training from a giant list of very remarkable certs. And they're market, they're like remarkable, they're like CISP and PMP. That's where I would look into starting if you don't already have some of those credentials. Mm -hmm. Other programs, SANS has a program for transitioning service members and veterans that aren't currently working in cybersecurity. Obviously, there's not general, not cybersecurity-specific benefits, but take advantage of your tuition assistance as well because you can go to college. That's a big mm -hmm. one. And not, I feel like not enough people take, a, take, take advantage of that. I th those are the th first three that come to mind. I, I'm sure there's plenty. Oh, yeah. Sorry, there's one more. Uh, the Fortivet program. I don't know if it's still around, but essentially you get, you get Fortinet your resume. You actually do a full-on interview with them. You get all dressed up and mm. everything. And if they like you, they actually send your resume out to a bunch of their partners. That's how I got most of my interviews whenever I was transitioning from the military was the Fortivet program. Oh, nice. You mentioned that you started planning two years out. That's a lot of planning. Was that mainly because you wanted to complete your program or was that because you... That's when you started to research the different roles that you were interested in. That was because it was recommended to me to start at least 18 months out from your transition. I decided to push it up because, one, I did want to make sure I completed my degree before I got out of the military. And they said 18 months was the minimum, but to start as early as possible. I actually had a, our, our brigade had a, a conference and the, one of the influence, one of the major influencers for military transition, Michael Quinn, uh, came out and spoke to us and he actually sat one-on-one -on -one with me and gave, we, we created a plan. Those, having those people like that, having leadership like that can really make the difference. Networking is your net worth. Networking is your net worth. That, that's definitely great advice because spoken with many military veterans that have planned too late or after they're already out and then find that they're challenged in the civilian world and finding a new role, they, they did plan their transition appropriately. Let's talk about your first role out of the military. What was 
the adjustment period in coming from military life to civilian life like? It was very sudden. Essentially, I got my DD-214, which it's the piece of paper saying done in the military for non-veterans, for people who don't haven't been in the military before. I got that, and I had essentially one weekend to start my new job. I literally went in Friday, I was in the military. Monday, I was in my new job. Thankfully, the new job was very patient. I have nothing bad to say about my time at Logarithm. But like I said, I started my transition much earlier. I looked into what am I going to have to get good at? What am I going to have to do to have a smooth transition? It's, and that's why it's a good thing I didn't start. But like one weekend is a very short time transition. You do not want to have one just one weekend. You will, you will get rail, you'll get run over. The world's going to run you over. That's why you need to start as far back as you can, in my opinion. No, I, there's a statistic that I've seen that it takes on average one week for every $10,000. No, one month for every $10,000 worth of salary for a true transition. So if you're looking to transition into a $90,000 job from something lower, it could take you up to nine months to plan and train to get there. And I, I think that's often overlooked as individuals in the civilian side or the military side of the training that you need, the things that you need to consider, especially in cybersecurity, because it's not only the understanding of technology, but it's the understanding and securing of technology. And having just the paper knowledge or the cert knowledge, while it's helpful, like you said, it will be sudden. That first job will be like, whoa, I was totally unprepared no matter how much training you had. Totally unprepared, no matter how much I'm guessing prepared you well for that. I definitely took a lot of initiative, I think more than the average soldier in my transition, only because I knew where I came out of. So long story short, when I joined the military, I came out of a bad spot and I knew I never wanted to get back there again. And that was my motivation for taking the initiative that I did. Nice, nice. So you got your first role. You said it hit you like a brick wall. What did you do to speed up and catch up and get going. You got to be like a sponge, in my opinion. You got to soak up all the knowledge you can. Uh, thankfully, I had leadership that was consistently communicating with me. We did weekly one-on-ones. That was a big, huge, important thing that I've seen other companies not do. But having one-on-ones saying, okay, where are you at? Where are the knowledge gaps? And figuring out where those gaps are. Uh, listening to your leadership and listening to others that are more experienced in this field. Be one thing that I see a lot of service members not do is they don't like to listen to others because they feel like their rank qualifies them for roles that they're not necessarily experienced in. Thankfully, as a specialist, as an E4, I wasn't a sergeant, I wasn't a commander, I wasn't anything like that. I didn't have that problem. I knew I knew. For those that aren't in my position, be ready to put your pride aside and learn because it's ultimately going to help you. As you evolve, in your career, going from the first job to, let's say, the second or third job, how did you go about improving your skill set, continuing your education along the way? Absolutely. I took advantage. So take advantage of your, a lot of companies, they have tuition reimbursement program, kind of like the military did for me. Uh, definitely take advantage of those. Uh, be aware of certain clauses in them that some of them, like my last role, they wanted an extra two years of me of my loyalty in exchange for tuition reimbursement. Luckily, I didn't take advantage of that because I would have been locked in. I would have been locked in and I was literally laid off a month after I'd considered starting it. So one thing I understand is 
be wary of your tuition assistance programs that certain companies offer. See what sort of loyalty requirement you have, while at the same time looking for free opportunities to enhance your knowledge. There's plenty out there, plenty of free or cheap resources. Try Acme. It's relatively cheap. If you have a .edu email address, that's a hugely great value. That's one thing I'd recommend. doesn't necessarily lead to a certification of any sort. But that's, but at that point in your career, when you're at the midpoint, in my opinion, you stop necessarily caring about certifications and you start caring about mastering your craft way more. Certifications are what gets you in the door when you're first trying to break into the field or trying to break into a new role. But once you're at that median point where you're at, you should just start caring about your skills more than mine. Okay. So you're laid off. I'm guessing that would be like a similar time. Like if you were preparing to transition, you spent your time looking for a role. How'd you go about doing that? Absolutely. Good point, by the way. So the first thing I did was I told everyone close to me, Hey, I've just been laid off. As they were walking me out of the build, I just, I shot LinkedIn messages to my close connections, told them, Hey, I've been laid off, told my family I've been laid off. And at that point that they started helping me look for people. This is why I said earlier, your network is your net worth. If you find the right people, you know, who will say your name in a room full of opportunities, it can make your job hunt significantly less difficult. And that's why, even though the, I was laid off, just all of a sudden didn't expect it at all. I was able to find a new gig in less than two weeks. So spend your time networking. That's me. The networking part should never stop. Yes. The learning should never, stop, but networking, that's what's going to get, that's what's going to find you the job. Learning is what's going to help you do the job, but networking is what's going to help you find the job. In my opinion, to answer your question succinctly, I'd say net, I took advantage of the network I had. How do you network? Good question. So I started on LinkedIn, the conference I mentioned earlier with Matt Quinn. He helped me set up my LinkedIn and everything. He, I mean, if you want to use my LinkedIn as a reference, anyone watching this, I welcome you. He didn't recommend I use the emojis that I use in my title, but that was more of a personalized thing. And I, and if it costs me job opportunities, I'm maybe I don't want to work there, but anyways, anyways. So I, I spilled up my LinkedIn based on what Matt Quinn recommended me. And it would take longer than we have for us to go over everything we recommended. But essentially what you're trying to do is LinkedIn. It's essentially like your, your prof like your online resume almost. You want to say what job you're targeting. You don't want to say breaking into cyber, trying to break into cybersecurity analyst in your title. You got to say cybersecurity analyst because that is the role you are targeting. Don't just say breaking into cybersecurity analyst role. He recommended I say the position I was in now and then state the position that I was moving toward. That was the big recommendation that I got that sort of blew my mind. There's other things you can do to optimize your LinkedIn profile. That again, I had a lot of experts learn along the way. Specifically for the veteran audience watching this, I highly recommend checking out Matt Quinn. He is he is full of knowledge, and he's one of the biggest reasons I've had success on LinkedIn today. So that's a, a tool or a platform to network. Yeah, I would say that's just the start. Yeah. For example, I see you have close to twelve thousand followers. I'm guessing twelve thousand people. You might not know one on one, but how many of those did you interact with? How many of those did you reach out to and ask about their role? Tell me about the nitty gritty of how you network. Absolutely. Well, I started out, my first connections were technical recruiters and it was a very simple process. You just, you go to the search bar, you type in recruiter, and then you drill down to ones that are in your field. For me, IT and uh, aerospace and defense. And then you also drill down to ones that are in your area like San Antonio or DFW, which is where I am right now. 
and you just go down the list and go connect, connect. They're not going to turn you down. They're not going to turn down a potential candidate. That's the first thing I was taught by Matt Quinn when it came to specifically uh, targeting individuals. And then you also want to target people that are in the role you're doing. You can just shoot them a message whenever you send the connection request, say, hey, I like your role. I want to be in that role. Obviously not word for word what I'm saying, but I like your role. I want to be in that role. How do I do it? Those are two of the big ways that I connect with individuals. Uh, to put it succinctly, the first people you should be targeting are, are recruiters because recruiters are going to get you that job. They're going to they're gonna see you and say, hey, I have an opportunity that suits you. And that worked well for me. I had more interviews than I can remember during uh, my transition period, uh, which led to three job offers. And of those, oh yeah, the one that I that did receive did come through LinkedIn. So networking with recruiters, network with people in your And it's really hard to go wrong for that because the people in your field may also be willing to give you referrals, uh, which is a huge point because I, I received several referrals whenever I was transitioning. And that's why a lot you've probably heard this before. It's not about what you know. It's about who you know. I and mean, for me, it was a little bit of both. If you have that right combination, you can get just about anywhere, in my opinion. And so you went about reaching out to these people. Do you keep in touch with them? How do you just spam them and connect with them? Like, how, how do you go about it? From so for the recruiters, it was spamming and connecting. For, you know, for the people that are actually doing the job that you're looking at, that was more of a personalized connection. Let's talk. There's a few people in my field that I still keep in touch with on a near daily basis that I consider still to be mentors to me because you never want to be the smartest person in the room. You always want to be learning. Otherwise, your skills are going to stagnate. And that's not something anyone could afford in this field, in my opinion. And obviously, posting. I don't have a, I'm not a big social branding expert or anything like that. But posting consistently about things in your field, that's also going to show people that you're interested in what you're doing. Uh, posting relevant content, co commenting on rele relevant content. I'd say those are my key success is on LinkedIn. Is that part of your continuous education process as well? I wouldn't say I categorize it as such. I'd say my uh, education is more of learning from the free resources available. I can see that, yeah, it absolutely fit. It absolutely fit because it is a free resource available technically talking to professionals in the area, I'd say, yeah, you could actually call it that. And reading and commenting and posting on relevant content in order to be able to respond to something, you got to know about it, right? Or at least ask an intelligent question Absolutely. so you don't look dumb on the post. Yeah. And I found like a lot of people in cybersecurity, they're, they're very willing to teach people. They don't tend to shame people like I see other fields do. They actually, they care about people learning. So if you have a question, ask it, in my opinion. Are there any other platforms other than LinkedIn that you use? In terms of networking, in terms of getting into cybersecurity, I wouldn't say there are. I, In my opinion, LinkedIn is a severely underutilized platform. Uh, I, In terms of personal and professional growth I've experienced ever since joining it, you will get in what you will get out what you put in when it comes on LinkedIn. In my opinion, and I deleted my Facebook. I use LinkedIn instead exclusively. I guess Twitter is the only other one that people sometimes use to network as well, believe it or not. There's a big InfoSec community over there. It's a bit more dramatic over there. Uh, and there's a lot of misinformation. So you got to be able to sift through that. And I'd say LinkedIn is my main uh, source for networking and maintaining professional communications. Okay. Clearance uh, jobs. If you have a security clearance, clearance jobs is the other place that I got a lot of my job offers from. If you have a security clearance, which if you're coming from the military, more than likely you have a security clearance. 
that's where about half the other job offers that I got came from. And honestly, a lot, the big reason for that is a lot of these people are only looking for, do you have a clearance and do you have a pulse? And they'll give you a job based on that alone. Some of them. It was crazy, some of that. But yeah, I'd say if you're specifically a transitioning service member, LinkedIn, clearance job, maybe Twitter. Twitter isn't mandatory. We're approaching the end of the show. Any final advice oh. that you would give to individuals that are looking to transition or break into cybersecurity? Absolutely. I'd say don't throw your money at every resource that is available. There's a lot of free resources that are available to learn how to do, how to go in this field or discounted resources. TreyHackMe is a huge one, huge value for what you get. Don't go throwing your money at like sands, spending $10,000 a course when you're getting stuff. It's, it's not worth it. It's not going to pay off. The other thing is if you take, if no one takes anything else from this conversation that you and I have had, networking, your network is your net worth. Talk to people who have been in your position before. Be willing to learn. Don't use your, don't let, don't be so consumed in your rank that you feel like you don't have to start over because whenever you change careers more than typically you do have to start. So set your pride aside, network, take advantage of the free and cheap resources available. Once you know exactly what you want to do in this field. Well, Thomas, thank you very much for joining us on breaking into cybersecurity, sharing your experience, your knowledge and your tips and tricks. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.